let's talk about inspiring employees. Then again, these are not exactly the enticements we usually put out there. We are an organization that deals with emergencies all the time. So when it's not Ebola, it's Zika. When it's not Zika, it's cholera. When it's not cholera, it's yellow fever. And when it's not yellow fever, it'll be something else. Yep, we're ThinkCast, and we're going viral. Welcome to ThinkCast, the Gartner podcast channel. Here, we talk with the world's leading analysts and thought leaders about the hottest and most important IT and business topics. We discuss the latest insights, best practices, and informed predictions that will get you thinking about how best to solve your immediate challenges and build a better long-term strategy. So enjoy this ThinkCast conversation. Welcome back to ThinkCast. I'm Scott Smith, and I'm joined once again by World Health Organization CIO Mark Eves Tui Two for the final part of our wide-ranging conversation. I, for one, am sorry to see it's coming to a close, but Mark does have a few other tasks on his agenda to address. One of those, in fact, will be speaking as part of the CIO Story Series at Gartner Symposium IT Expo in Barcelona in November. You can learn more about the series and symposium on the symposium page of Gartner.com. But right now, I want to dive into how IT and the CIO can be a change leader for the business units. We've got Mark on the phone from his office in Geneva. Mark, one of the things I, I'm really struck there is you said you had to go to the business units, get their input, uh, deal with the colleagues. Uh, really, a lot of CIOs... They think that horizontally, I can work with the IT folks, I can work with this team, I'll bring the security folks together and all. Sometimes they get a bit more hesitant when they're pushing it out, evangelizing out into the business units and the business mission. You've mentioned you're comfortable in that role. You really come from that business standpoint. What is some of the um, ways you found really works to help bring that IT mission to really uh, be an evangelist for it and connect it with the business strategy, the business performance? How do they break through there and not just be seen as, say, a back operations team to to support, but are instead part of that strategy? Well, uh, assuming you uh, destroyed the job description that says that you are just the chief plumber and uh, that you understand that um, even though you've not necessarily been asked, you should really pitch something Beyond that, make the client win once. Be selfless. It's not for you to shine. It's uh, make them win. Then make another one win. Uh, maybe the previous one was not a fluke, they'll think. Uh, so wh- wh- why is he doing this? First, he's helping us, and, and sometimes he's even throwing some of his own budget money. Uh, why is he doing that? Well, keep doing it. It's going to be uh, augmenting the impact. and. Um, the only problem is that increasingly more people will come to you. And eventually, clients you know, clients become your best salespeople, and the money becomes more irrelevant because they are pitching for you to get more money to help them. And then, as I said before, you stop saying you want to be a trusted business partner. You are part of the business, and now you're just a partner that can help. So for me, it was uh, the most difficult thing would be, oh, let's find something I could help with. Well, in my case, it was easy. You were in Ebola, but there are plenty of other opportunities. When, as soon as you start working with the business and interviewing people, 
I was doing that at lunch again today, and uh, they threw something at me. It's like, sure, we can help. We'll assign a business process analyst and a product manager, and we'll do the feasibility with you. We'll offer services to help you manage the project. And it's like talking to people. Some people are shy. Some people are more exuberant. So if you get out there and engage the business, you'll be amazed that uh, some of them might just say, hey, look, go away. We're not interested once. But then they'll hear that you've been helping somebody else, and they'll say, hmm, all right, maybe I was too harsh. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And if you can't get through the door, come back to the window, but don't give in. You know, don't give up. You have to find a way to help with one of your uh, assets, whether it's geospatial information, whether it's project management, or whether it's uh, field attack collection, or, you know, uh, tablets, or find a way. Find a way. And uh, that's how I have seen it work so far. Well, let me ask about prioritization in that we all have a lot on our plates. There's new things coming at us all the time. Uh, you mentioned at the outset that when you left the job as CIO of San Francisco, you left things there that you wish you could have finished but weren't able to see through to the end. Um, and as you just mentioned, you've also got a situation where you may have an agenda, but that could get knocked aside when the next uh, global threat comes along and you really don't have a choice to say, I'm going to push that to the back and finish what I'm doing. What do you find are some good ways that you learn to to keep your agenda straight, to keep your priorities in front of you and not let the next thing kind of knock everything off the rails? I'm not sure I have a, uh, you know, it's funny because and I don't, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I want to give the impression that, yeah, whatever question this guy is going to throw at me, I've got the answer. Um, no, I don't have all the answers. Very often you do stuff by instinct and you need to pause and and ask yourself, um, it's working for me, but why is that? Or it's not working for me, and why is that? <laughs> so, of course, you cannot just stop everything just because there's a fire, right? Although... You can't avoid it. It's like when your company acquires another company and you're asked to do this and you've got 30 days due diligence. And I mean, you will all been in that situation. So in my case, I have on my, uh, on my wall the critical targets. So we have identified our top clients and the critical targets of the organization. And I started this interview by telling you that in the context, we've got the sustainable development goals, and particularly in WHO, we've got the uh, the health goals. So you've got all the things that you must do to be uh, efficient as an, as an organization, you know, the usual stuff, your transaction engine, or your ERP, your fundamental infrastructure, your uh, uh, the collaborative, uh, the collaboration platform, email, and things like that. And because all this is in order, you can afford to graduate into approaching the business on their business problems, but you can't help everybody at once. So then you need to use common sense, and this is where business, um, where I come from before, it was all about uh, net present value and uh, internal rate of return or payback time. Here I'm not selling stuff, so it's the business case is slightly different, but the goals are known. So it's not like I'm going to invent it. The prioritization process is uh, discussing with the business, with my, with, my, uh, with my boss, what's more critical than what. 
I may have an opinion, but I may not have the full picture. So what helps me is having in front of me the dashboard of the critical targets with the, uh, you know, in project management, we say there are, I mean, the discipline of getting things done is very simple. It's a scope, time, resource. So what's in scope? What's on your radar screen? What's the timeline? And what is the resource at your disposal to achieve that? And all the rest is best effort. In some cases, even if you throw more money at me or more people, I'm not sure I have the bandwidth to cope with it. So it's a constant discussion with the business and with the management of the organization. You have to, at one point in time to say, okay, guys, uh, I'm in trouble now. I, I'm saturating. So I have to either slow down something or drop something or suspend something if you want me to tackle this new incoming. And they've been responding pretty well to this, even during the, uh, the pretty bad crisis. So far, it's working, but there are times where, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're a little bit overheating, and you have to protect your people against that, because we we are an organization that deals with emergencies all the time. So when it's not Ebola, it's Zika. When it's not Zika, it's cholera. When it's not cholera, it's yellow fever. And when it's not yellow fever, it'll be something else. So it's the norm. So you need to have a, the organization that does the routine, and you need to have the people that surge. So I'm not sure if I, uh, if I succeeded at uh, answering your question, but that's my answer. <laughs> you, you did, and then some, I must say. And, and as you went through the course of that answer, you kept talking about your people, whether it was protecting them, insulating them, let's call it, from you know the pressures coming at you from all angles and so forth, making sure they're still able to do their jobs. Let me stay there because we've really talked about leadership mostly from the standpoint of – up or out. And what I mean there is from the strategic point of view, from influencing the business, from big projects and how to make sure they are carried to success. But we all know it's not a one-man job. It, you've got a team of people that you have to rely on and that are relying on you for guidance. What? Um, how are you developing the talent and culture of your organization to really embrace the technology innovation, as you were saying before, to really help you in your efforts? So, the people like to win. If they can't win, they are demoralized, they are demotivated, and uh, they are disappointed. And even worse, they might think they're incompetent, or they might think, ah, you know, it's, it's their fault. So this is the worst thing that can happen. So that's why uh, I think the, one of the top duties of, uh, of leaders is to make sure that we manage the intake of work and that we negotiate hard and smart way so that every torpedo we put in the water, every project we activate needs to have the structure and the means to succeed. And I want to make sure I always do that because when you do this, people know they can come back to you and say, uh, okay, sir, we went live with this and, uh, you know, the client is happy, the organization is better, and uh, we've scored one. And if, it's usually it's, it's the business IT team, it's a joint team. That's extremely important. If you can do that regularly, even when every now and then you have one that fails, that happens and that's okay. They're not desperate about it. They realize that, hey, you win the majority of them, you lose a few, that's okay. 
and uh, don't beat yourself up, you know, get back on your feet and then let's take to the next one. So for me, there are times where you have to send the people home. They don't want to go home. I mean, they are so passionate about what they do, they don't even want to go home. And when you have people dispatch, I've had people during Ebola that were working very, very long hours in tough places. And uh, yeah, you have to make sure you rotate those people and they, they learn a ton, but they, uh, they work very well. So I covered that part. The second part is the inspiration comes in many forms. Winning is one, but uh, having fun is another one. And if you're having fun while winning, even better. And if it's also, uh, you know, hey, we're still IT people after all, so we need to have some cool stuff also with the technologies. So um, one of the latest was uh, the geospatial tool. And that, that's really a very powerful uh, platform, but it's also a, a very uh, interesting for IT people to see, uh, to put that at play, satellite information and overlapping of critical data. So winning, having fun, of course, having access to training, rotating across projects, move people across. The mobility part of it is good. They're not boxed in into one discipline and they like that. Mark, we have certainly covered a lot, and there are a number of different angles we could keep pursuing here. I mean, we've barely even touched on what you uh, did in in the city of San Francisco. Uh, there's far more from even just what you were mentioning of your approach, your philosophy in terms of there at the WHO. Uh, again, people will be able to hear more from Mark at Symposium IT Expo in Barcelona in November. We will, of course, have more information on that at the end. But Mark, as we move to wrap up, I was wondering, uh, we've covered a lot again. We've mentioned some of this in the course of the discussion. What if someone said to you, hey, what are maybe the top two, three pieces of advice you'd give to a CIO right now uh, for helping them from based on your experience, for helping them in their efforts that you found that, hey, this is what a CIO should be doing? There's plenty, but uh, I find particularly useful in multiple assignments that I've had, the leaders of the organization would tell me, Mark, is, you're going to come come in and you'll, you'll find that, uh, yeah, the IT people are, uh, there's a lack of vision and direction. For me, you might as well say leadership, but I remember one of the uh, Gartner... Uh, expert, I called in, uh, you know, at one point in time, you know, there was this sentence is leadership first, everything else second. Uh, if you haven't gone through that, you should. It's a good, uh, good session. And I agree with that. So the advice I would give would be you need to have a crisp VMST, vision, mission, strategy, tactic. And I find that people, including at sea level, are... Um, sometimes confused between vision, mission, strategy, tactic. So the division is what we aspire to, you'd say, for example, in the case of uh, Eisenhower, world peace. Mission is the war to be won, so end World War II. Strategy are the battles you choose to fight in support of the mission. And tactic are the means you choose to commit in the battles in support of the mission. When this is clear to you, you can pitch what you do, the value you add. Your people know why they're here, what they do, and how they contribute, and your client the same. So my first advice to the leaders in IT, have a crisp 
vision, mission, strategy, tactic articulated and, and of course, aligned with the top goals of your organization. But even more importantly, because that's business, define who you are, redefine who you are and what you want and go for it. Me, (laughs) it's simple. I know I'm a background CIO. I want to be a change agent. I want to make a mark where I play. And if I can't, well, I'm in the wrong place. But you have to know that first to decide if you're in the right place. Well, Mark, we're very glad you could be in this place. You've been very gracious with your time, and we very much want to thank you for all the great insights. Mark Eves 2E2 is the CIO of the World Health Organization. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of the information technology industry. All content provided by other enterprises is expressly the views of those enterprises and the speakers. The information should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of said enterprise's products or services. World Health Organization CIO Mark Eves 2E2 will be speaking as part of the CIO Stories series at Gartner Symposium IT Expo in Barcelona this November. You can learn more about the series and symposium on the symposium page of Gartner.com. I'm Scott Smith. Thank you for listening to ThinkCast. Thank you for listening to this latest installment of ThinkCast from Gartner. We hope it gets you thinking about new ways to approach your IT and business concerns. And don't forget to check out the Gartner webinars at gartner.com webinars. Or look for more of our ThinkCast podcast at gartner.com podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to Gartner ThinkCast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. Thank you.